see what I will call this message. I wrote down something and I canceled it and I ended up coming when I was about to just leave. Your menu. Your menu. I want to ask you a question this morning. If Christ is coming to feed in your home, what will be in the menu that you're going to present to him? If Jesus Christ is coming to feed, to drink with you, what will be the menu that you will present to him? I know many of you here cook. Do you? I know there are some wonderful cooks I've eaten in some of your houses. But the question this morning is, what will be the menu that you will present to Jesus Christ? What will he eat if he is to come to you this morning? What will he eat? And we're going to go to the scriptures and I'm going to be quick. My time is almost over. But I believe that if Paul could preach from evening until the following morning and people were still awake, God will grant you the grace this morning to say, Lord, if my menu is wrong, help me with the right menu. We are going to look in the scriptures in the book of John chapter 4. From verse 3. We'll go down probably to 42. But we might not get to that 42. You all know this story better than I do. And in paraphrasing this area, the Bible talks about that Jesus was to go from Judea to Galilee. But there was a need. He has to go. There's a need for him to go through Samaria. He has a destination in mind. But there's a reason why he has to detour. And when I was studying last night and looking at this message, the first time I said, Lord, may I be the reason why you have to go through Samaria. And I don't know this morning whether you will have to agree with me and in your own heart and say, Lord, I know you have the plans to go from Judea to Galilee. But for my sake, go through 762 and come to Judge Ranch. For my sake, come to the sanctuary. Let me be the reason why you have to detour from where you're going to. I don't know how many of you want to agree with me. I said, Lord, let me be the one why you have to have the need to go through Samaria. 
And the Bible says that when he came through Samaria, he was tired, he was weary of his journey. And the Bible says that he went and sat by the well. Many of us might think the reason why Jesus sat by the well is because he was thirsty. But he went and sat by the well because the Bible said he was weary from his journey. And following, the Bible also indicated that the disciples had gone into the town, into the city, into the villages to go and buy food. But when they bought the food and came back to Jesus, we're going to read that place this morning and let's see what happened. Can you read John chapter 4 from verse 3 down until I tell you to stop in the New King James Version? He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which he called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it in himself, as well as the sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I, have, that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In, this, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, 
The hour is coming when you will neither, you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they mar marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I never, that I ever did. Could this be Christ? Then they went out of the, of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciple urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Hold Therefore, on one second. Let me allow God to explain something this morning to you and to me. It is a very sad thing. That we as Christians had followed Jesus. Just like the disciples all followed Jesus. And they went from the east to the west to the north and to the south. After everywhere they have gone through. Came to the time when Jesus was weary of that journey. And when Jesus sat by the well. They left to go buy food. And by the time they went, they must have brought the best of the meal from wherever they went to buy the meal. When they came back to present the meal to the master, he refused. Imagine how you feel when you make every effort you think that is necessary to prepare a meal for somebody. And after you have finished preparing the meal, and you present it and the person says, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. This is of spiritual importance. And he allowed me to pray, Lord, never you allow me. All this while, I'm going with you. Not knowing your mind at the kind of meal that you eat. Not knowing the true reason why you sat by the well. Because they assumed because he sat by the well, the Bible did not say he was hungry. He said he was weary of the journey. Being weary of the journey is different from being hungry. And when he sat by the well, the woman of Samaria came. Jesus did not say, give me water. He said, give me a drink. And the woman assumed. How many times do we assume when Jesus says something, we assume because of our circumstance and situation. 
The woman assumed that Jesus wanted water. And he says, he said, Jesus said to her, to her, give me to drink. Jesus was not asking for ordinary water from the well. Jesus was asking, from your life, what can I drink from you? From your life, from your life, from my life, what is it that Jesus can drink from you? The woman had a bucket, but the bucket was empty. And when we are empty, we argue religion. The woman began to talk about religion, began to talk about ethnicity, began to talk about your white, your black, your blue, your green, because you are empty. Jesus wasn't looking for the water to drink. He was asking the question, what can I drink from your life? What do you have in your life as menu that I can feed from? All this while the disciples who believed he was tired and hungry, when they brought the food, he refused to eat. From the beginning to the end of that passage, did Jesus drink any water from the woman? But he said to the woman, give me a drink. The woman had nothing. She did not understand what Jesus was talking about. She began to talk about, sir, how come you, being a Jew, asked me, a Samaritan, to give you water to drink? And Jesus said to her, if you only know who is it that talks to you, you would have asked him. And he would have given you the living water. And then the living water that Jesus will give you will spring a fountain from you. Jesus was only talking to her about something different, but she misunderstood. Many times where we find ourselves in life, we judge Jesus based on that situation. We never understand the full broad understanding and knowledge of God. We take him from one mile peak mind, from one scope, from one little narrow vision to the other because of where we find ourselves in life. He said, give me to drink. After the woman had gone up and down, up and down, Jesus said to her, okay, and many times we said to the woman, go call your husband and come. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said because you have had five husbands and the woman and the one you have none is not yours. We can preach against sin. Listen to me right now. I learned this from the Lord last night. We can preach against all kinds of sin from today till tomorrow. It will not change in the life of people until we are able to bring people where the presence of God will occupy the space that sin will occupy and their life will be transformed. Jesus brought the woman to the point where she opened up to allow his fullness to come in. Then, she ran back 
I want you to pay attention to what happened when the woman went back into the city. She went to men. The Bible says, and she went to men. Can you continue reading so they can follow me? She did not go to the women. She went to the core of her problem. And whenever God has encountered you, the core of your problem becomes a place to set up an altar for the relationship with God. Wherever the core of your problem is, when God encounters you, becomes a place for you to set up your altar for his communionship in your life. Can you continue? Let's see. From where you stopped. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Mm -hmm. has anyone brought him anything to eat? Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who said I have a food to eat that you don't know of. How can we be with Jesus Christ and we don't know the food that he eats? How can we come to church? How can we be Christians? How can we profess everything we profess? Yet, we do not know the food the master eats. We think as churches, as Christians, that God is interested in ABC. Attendance is the A. B is building. C is cash. That's not his meal. He said, I have a meal different from what Christians are offering me. I'm in the midst of Christians, yet I am hungry and thirsty. Christ is not being fed. Men and women are not being fed with the truth that the power of the Spirit of God may dwell in their life, saturate them, wet them, so that sin will have no space. The disciples do not know the meal that the master eats. Yet, they were with him. They journeyed with him. He said, I have a meal to eat. I have a food to eat that you do not know, yet you're with me. Say, I have a meal to eat that you do not know. And he said, that meal is to do the will of him that sent me and to do what? Finish it. They were urging him to eat. They were asking one another, has somebody brought him something to eat? Because they knew when they left, they perceived he was very hungry. But suddenly, the hunger has gone because Jesus has found the meal that he wants to eat. After you have ordered what you want to eat, what you really desire for, and somebody brings something different for you, what do you do? You say no. Encountering the woman at the well began to open the door, the appetizer for what she was going to eat. They urged him to eat. He said, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. How many of us have started? Programs and process and work with God that are uncompleted today. 
How many of us have abandoned the vision of God in our life and strayed away? He said, if it has to be the meal of the Father, you must finish what you began. He said, my will is to do the will of him. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. Continue from where you stopped. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me and all that I ever did. When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, Can you the stop savior there? of the world. I'm going to start from the last sentence that she read and go backwards. Many times we base our relationship with God based on what others tell us. The Samaritans came now to, the, to Jesus. They came to the woman and they said, now we believe not because of what you told us, but we have encountered him and we have our own testimony. Your testimony is unique with you. Your testimony is between you and Christ. Your testimony is the only thing you can hold on to. It doesn't matter a prophet, a reverend, a bishop, a pastor from anywhere in the world that comes to you and talk about their experience with God. You can never build an altar for God based on other people's testimony. That altar will always crash. But when you build an altar based on your own encounter, based on your own testimony, based on your own relationship with God, you have something to hold on to God. You have something to refer to him and say, you did this today, you're going to do it again tomorrow. But when you build based on other people's testimony, some will call, tell today and tell you, oh, I donated $21 and in 21 days I got $21 million. And you build on it to have a relationship with God. The Samaritans knew that the greatest way to have themselves anchored with God was to have their own personal testimony. The Samaritan woman went to them. She went to the men and called all the men together and said, come, see a man who has told me all that I have done. And in order for the manifestation of God to be in your life, you must be willing to confess the things that you have done. Yes. Yes. 
that opens the way for his presence in your life. He said, come see a man. He told me everything that I have done. Could this not be the Christ? And they followed him, followed her back to where Jesus was. You notice that Jesus was still by the well. He had not left. Jesus will always stay in the place he encountered you. He never leaves you at that place. If he encountered you at a place of illness, he will never leave you when you're well. He will always stay there so you can anchor your altar in your relationship with him based on where he met you. When the woman went back, she brought him back with people. All this while, have Jesus eaten any physical food? He never drank the water because he knew she has nothing to offer. The only way Jesus can drink from us is when we allow him to fill us. Then he can drink from us. When we allow him to fill us, then we know the right menu to present to him. When we allow him to dwell and occupy the space in our lives, then he will have something to talk about. His meal his menu may be different from your menu. But I want to ask you before I close this afternoon. What has been in your menu for Christ? The woman thought by calling Jesus, oh, you're a prophet. Many times because we think calling God, oh, Lord, you are this. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah El Shaddai, Jehovah Nisi. All these names are names that men and women who encountered God gave to God. None of them did God say is my name. God never said I'm Jehovah Elohim. He never said I am Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. He never mentioned any of them. These are names given to him by men and women who encountered him and they built an altar for him. It became a memorial in their life. You and I cannot just be coming to God, coming to Christ day in, day out without allowing him to fill us up so he can drink from us. It is a shame to me. I felt so disappointed with myself last night. When I, the God, when Lord opened my understanding that we can follow him all through the day without knowing what is his meal and what he desires. We can keep offering him all kinds of things. But there is one thing that he desires from you and from him. He desires from me. He desires it from you. He desires that from everybody in this place. The disciples, the Bible, if you read your Bible back, you will see that the Bible said, meanwhile, the disciples, when he talked about meanwhile, that means while the main things were going on, on the side, they were interested. I wonder what happened to the meal they bought. Perhaps Judas Iscariot may have eaten it. 
Yeah. He could be the one that said, well, we already bought the food. If he didn't want to eat it, well, I don't want it to get waste. I'm going to eat it. So he probably ate most of them. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What has been my meal that I offered unto Christ? And what is the meal that he desired from me this moment? I prayed through this morning because I knew that everything I have presented to him have not been the meal that he really wants to eat. He wants us the testimony that we have with him go back and share with others and let him do the work. He said to his disciples, I send you to reap what others have labored for. God is sending you and I into what others have labored for. We are privileged. We are very much privileged. And finally, you know when a preacher says finally, you're in for another seven hours. But because Pastor Paula is already out there, so I know it's going to be finally. <laughs> Even when we have derailed, there is something I want to show you this morning. In Genesis 13, in verse 3, if you read a little bit from the end of chapter 12, you will see that despite everything that God has done with Abraham, it came to a time when Abraham migrated with others because of circumstance. Sometimes we migrate out of the grace, the mercy, the blessings of God because things became a little difficult where we are. But I come to understand that the presence of difficulty does not mean the absence of Jesus Christ. Abraham migrated towards Egypt with his wife. He left where he built his first altar between Bethel and Ai. When he migrated to Egypt, what happened? He left the place of encounter with God. Sin set in. He lied and said, you know, you're going to be my sister here, not my wife. But when the grace of God came back upon his life, what did Abraham do? The Bible says, he returned back to the place where he had first built an altar for God. So I want you this morning to return to the place where you started with God. It doesn't matter how old you are. Can you read out that place for them? Genesis chapter 13. 
verse 3. And he went on his journey from mm -hmm. the south as far as Bethel. Yes. To the place where his tent had been at the beginning. To the place. Between Bethel and I. When the problem arises again, my brothers and sisters. To the it is time for you to journey back. The worst is if you do not know where you began with God. But if you know where you began with God. All you need to do is to do what? Journey back to where you began with God. Abraham journeyed back between Bethel and I where his tent go ahead to the place of the altar which he had made there at first and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is a God of multiple chances. When men say second chances, I say, well, should have been dead by now. He's a God of multiple chances. Speaking to you this morning, it's another chance, another opportunity for you to return. Think where you started with God. Return back to where you built your first tent. Remember in Revelation, he said, I have something against you. Return back to your what? First love. That's where he's waiting this morning. We are going to rise on our feet to pray this morning. I need somebody from this row who is ready to lead us in prayer right now. And I'm going to need one person from this row that will pray after that. And I'm going to need one person from that row that will pray. With the door shut, nobody leaves. We attempt to leave, I will call upon you to do the prayer. Continue. Withholding nothing this morning. I need somebody here. One volunteer from here. Who is willing to speak unto the Lord on this road? Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the word that has gone forth. We thank you, Father, that you're hiding your word.